Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. As the consciousness movement grows, more people are ready to bring their spiritual selves into the office and speak honestly about the world they see through consciousness glasses. They discover that a colleague down the hall has a daily meditation practice, that the receptionist just returned from a yoga teacher training retreat, and that the division boss was in Peru last year for a shamanic journey. But no one reveals this side of themselves at work because they fear getting bumped from their next promotion. In our times, the taboo against spirituality is a real blocker. But beneath that fearful silence, powerful currents are stirring. The opportunities are huge. The challenges are real. You're just in time for the evolution. Welcome to The Evolver, where each week I talk with inspiring pioneers of the new consciousness culture. If you like what we're up to, please remember to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Acast, or on the podcast app of your choice. Share this episode with compadres at the Tonic Bar, post about it on social media, and leave a rating on iTunes. Our email address is theevolver at evolver.net for feedback. And you can follow us on Instagram at The Evolver Podcast and on Facebook at Evolver Social Movement. Now, let's get started. Welcome to The Evolver, sponsored by The Alchemist Kitchen, hosted by Ken Jordan. Change happens inside yourself first. It can be incremental, or it can be sudden. But at some point, you realize that the world you see doesn't sync easily with the way most other people perceive it. The reality expressed through TV shows, in the news, at the office, or argued over with family at the Christmas dinner table, it starts to feel strangely beside the point, and a deeper reality emerges that doesn't appear to be experienced by the others in your orbit. But when you begin to give expression to this different way of being in your interaction with others, that change you're feeling starts to ground. It's more than just weird thoughts in your head or strange vibrations in your body. When you inhabit your changed self through social connection, it actually becomes who you are. That's why community is key to spiritual development. That's why meditators have a sangha. But what sangha exists for those of us who haven't gravitated to a particular lineage? I love so much about Tibetan Buddhism, but I just can't see myself wearing those robes or committing myself to the fierce dedication necessary to absorbing a library of ancient Tibetan texts. My path is polyglot, a pinch of this, a dash of that, a lightning bolt experience every now and then, just to keep things moving forward. I feel myself guided by allies that seem to transcend the boundaries of distinct lineages. And the further I go into the study of the full range of consciousness practices, the more apparent it becomes that behind all of these divergent approaches to spirit, there's a substrate of universal truth that is shared by all of them. I'm actually a really lucky guy because I've managed to create a community around myself of people who have gone deep down this rabbit hole and see things from what you could call a consciousness perspective. Most of them, like me and probably like you, 
are weaving their own understanding of spiritual reality from a variety of threads. Yogic insights, plant medicine visions, energy healing practices, sound meditations, astrological ruminations, whole plant wellness, ecological activism, you know the list. I get to live in this shared spiritual reality every day. That's my job. What an incredible gift. This past year, it became clear that a lot more people want to be part of a community like this. So it's time for Evolver to start one. On April 5th, we're launching Evolver Awakening, a learning community for people who are having spiritual openings and are looking for context and connection to help them along their journey. At its core, Evolver Awakening offers online classes with great teachers, some of whom have been guests on this podcast, like Paul Selig, Gino Yu, Itzhak Biri, Ezzy Spencer, and Mitch Horowitz. And there are fantastic talks from the Evolver Learning Lab archives from Alex and Allison Gray, Graham Hancock, Edmund Alexander, and many others. But a big part of Evolver Awakening is about connecting members to each other on live Zoom calls and in moderated text discussions. What I'm hoping, really, is for the platform to vibrate with the kind of energy that Evolver gets at our live events and the vibe we have at the Alchemist Kitchen, Evolver's botanical dispensary off the Bowery in Manhattan. We're living through dark and challenging times, but there's a powerful visionary perspective that is shared in these spaces. Once it touches you, your sense of what's possible changes. I'm lucky because I get that energy every day from the amazing people I work with. Today, you get to meet some of them, members of the Evolver content team based here in New York. We talk about what led them into seeing the world through these particular lenses and what it's like to help convene this consciousness community. I'm joined by Molly Suggs, Evolver's General Manager, Faye Sacaladeras, the Managing Editor of Evolver Content and Reality Sandwich, and Jose Alfaro, producer of this podcast. At the moment, we're all knee-deep in preparation for the launch of Evolver Awakening on April 5th. Over the years, the Evolver backroom has always been a bit of a mystery to those outside. Now, we're pulling back the curtain. Everyone should be as fortunate as me to come to work with these people who are dedicated to living the transformation. Big-hearted, sweet, insightful, curious, forgiving, professional, dedicated. Glad you could join us. Everyone seems to be talking about CBD these days, that is, cannabidiol, the non-psychoactive component of cannabis. The buzz is that CBD doesn't make you high, like THC does. But for conditions such as stress and anxiety, health professionals are increasingly recommending it as an alternative to pharmaceuticals. And scientific research is showing that CBD is highly anti-inflammatory, so it can help with pain relief. What does the scientific research say about CBD? Research centers in the United States and elsewhere are studying the effects of CBD on a variety of ailments. Scientists refer to CBD as a promiscuous compound because it offers therapeutic benefits in many different ways while tapping into how we function physiologically and biologically on a deep level. Extensive preclinical research and some clinical studies have shown that CBD has strong antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, antidepressant, antipsychotic, and neuroprotective qualities. What's the best way to take CBD? CBD-rich cannabis oil products can be taken sublingually, orally, as edibles, lozenges, beverages, tinctures, and gel caps, 
or apply topically. Concentrated cannabis oil extracts can also be heated and inhaled with a vape pen. Inhalation is good for treating acute symptoms that require immediate attention. The effects can be felt within a minute or two and typically last for a couple of hours. The effects of orally administered CBD-rich cannabis oil can last for four hours or more, but the onset of effects is much slower, like 30 to 90 minutes, than inhalation. Evolver is the proud papa of the Alchemist Kitchen, a botanical dispensary located in the Bowery District of New York, where you can find the finest quality CBD products available without THC. We also make our own premium CBD under the Plant Alchemy label. Our producer Jose's mom uses it for stress, anxiety, and high blood pressure. Our plants are grown in both field and greenhouse environments, cultivated using living soil organic principles, leveraging strictly organic inputs, and in full compliance with the controls defined by the Colorado Department of Agriculture. Our plants are some of the highest CBD cannabis varieties currently known. You can find out more about CBD by visiting the Alchemist Kitchen website at thealchemistskitchen.com. There's an S in there. And searching for CBD. There are articles on the blog, an FAQ, and a selection of vetted products. Or stop by our spot at 21 East 1st Street in Manhattan, between Bowery and 2nd Avenue, and talk to one of our staff herbalists. At the shop, tell them you listen to the Evolver podcast and receive a 10% discount on any product on the shelves. So, Faye, we started working together. Now it's been, what, seven years, mm-hmm. right? And you've been seeing the same, a lot of the same stuff that I've been seeing, which has led us to do this project, Evolver Awakening, right? Uh, when did you first get a sense that this thing, that the scene was really growing and sort of taking off to another level? Oh, my gosh. Um I don't know if there was one, you know, I can't think of one specific moment or incident, but um, I guess just seeing it in the culture around me, like more and more people interested in things related to spirituality and meditation and, you know, the archetype of the witch, that's a, a big one. I don't know. Even even in, I mean, we've talked about this, even in like mainstream culture and advertising, it's sort of that like language has seeped in because it's it's in the air, you know, the language of like spirit animals and meditation and, and you know, new age um, language. Yeah, I, th- I saw a ad on the subway that made reference to spirit animals yeah. at one point about a year ago. And I thought, whoa, really? yes. Yeah, no, it's even um, TD Bank is, you know, I forgot what it was, something silly like namaste. I don't remember. But and then and even <laughs> the, even um, Blue Ribbon Chicken across from Alchemist Kitchen. um had a whole thing about having an enlightened chicken, which I think is ridiculous and silly, and I have my, you know, but it, the but fact an, that it's an, there is an enlightened chicken. Yeah, you want to eat an enlightened chicken. Right. <laughs> <laughs> when you started working with Evolver and Reality Sandwich, let's say, now it's been all these years. You must have had friends who thought, "What the fuck are you doing?" I didn't have my friends didn't it wasn't necessarily like that because my inner circle obviously understood this sort of thing. But um, when I talked to people, I didn't really know that well. It was definitely met with like, yeah, like what the fuck are you doing? What is that? But now when I talk to people who aren't necessarily as into this as I am, they'll they understand they've heard of ayahuasca. They've heard of empaths. 
they understand meditation, even people that aren't really in, necessarily might not refer themselves as spiritual, they understand the benefits of meditation. I actually have, after I have a friend, he's a bartender at, a, at this bar uh, where I live and they're not, he's not spiritual at all. He's just, you know, but after Trump got elected, he hosted like a meditation session at the bar before <laughs> before it opened that day and everyone came and they're not, you know, they're they're into like like psychedelic culture on some level, the music or the aesthetic, but they're not like in our world like us. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he hosted that and that that was something that they did in a time of, you know, where everyone was really freaked out and they saw this as a really potent special thing that they could do to hold space for what was happening like that. That was I don't think that would have I don't think that would have happened 10 years ago if Trump got elected 10 years ago. No, or even four years ago. I mean, right. there's something it feels like the whole thing is accelerating. Yeah. You know, where we would do these the first, you know, um, kind of evolver events back in the day were the the ayahuasca monologues. They were organized by Johnny Phillips and Daniel Pinchbeck was a big part of that. And we were bringing, you know, crowds of two, 300 people into a room so that three people would get on stage or five people and do talks about their ayahuasca experiences, kind of modeled on the moth, right? Mm-hmm. 10 minute extemporaneous, but actually really carefully uh, rehearsed personal stories about their ayahuasca openings. And, you know, we would do a show of hands. How many people here have actually tried this, right? Or in other situations, how many people have actually even heard of ayahuasca? And it was always a smattering, you know, a handful of people. Curiosity, but really no direct knowledge and very little, um, you know, sense of like that this makes any sense in their own experience outside of kind of like it's, it's part of this weird culture that's kind of emerging, but what the hell is that, right? We're somewhere else today, right? Uh, Molly was, you were working as a life coach. Yep. Yes. And we were having these conversations where you were getting frustrated at how the life coach setup didn't necessarily effectively address some of the spiritual things that came up in people's experience. Absolutely. Yeah. And so we were chatting at one point about the Evolver thing. Mm-hmm. And you kind of, I mean, I remember having this, this like this wild epiphany moment where I realized that the work you've been doing was actually kind of like a lot of the framework that people need to do spiritual work mm-hmm. without the spiritual work at the center. Mm-hmm. 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 And that helped to form and shape what we want to be doing here now with the, the Evolver Awakening mm-hmm. program as we develop it, mm-hmm. right? When did that kind of hit you that 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 there were there was a, that people would be receptive to the spiritual message in a kind of more con, you know sort of conventional mm-hmm. life coach business enhancement kind of mm-hmm. context optimal performance it's interesting because i'd been i've been doing this work for professionally for i guess it's 11 12 years now and through my evolution of doing my own personal spiritual work and self-development, what I just sort of by default found myself doing with my clients was spiritual work and the goal setting or the dream making or, you know, what's your goal? You know, what are your visions for your life? And here are the steps to, to get there. 
didn't feel to me effective in in the results of my clients. And so I just naturally, organically started to form my own type of method, if you will. And it really worked. And 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 what and, were you bringing into the method that was particularly like you just got like spiritual or mm-hmm. however you want to whatever you want to call uh, it? And actually, I I I avoid using that word. <laughs> yeah. Well, what do you use instead? I mean, you know, we're really you know, a lot of my clients and we're you know high level, high functioning executives. Um, no time for woo woo. No time for you know. I just want to get the job done, right? And so. I would have to find these ways of weaving in sort of almost like an undercover, uh, <laughs> you know, spiritual, you know, guide on some level, right? You'd have to sneak behind exactly, the back in exactly. order to get them to totally. the place where the light really right, was. Right, yeah. exactly. And, um, so what would you do? Like what kind of strategy? You know, so we would, we, you know, first get people really comfortable and, and, and trusting of the process, whatever process that was. Um, and, you know, and I sort of have this way with people that they tend to open up, you know, just sort of a, you know, my own, you know, a natural gift, if you will. You are very good at that. <laughs> We've seen like an abuse of that recently on your cell phone. Just the number of people <laughs> trying to get you to pay attention to their opening up. Yeah. It's text yeah. messages alone. Yeah. <laughs> I've been seeing this. Yeah. 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 No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to take you off. No, so, of course. So what would yeah. you do? So like, a te- like okay, they start to open up and then right. so, you say, and okay, then we you ask, should go to a yoga retreat. N- no, not even. Not no. even a okay. doing, but really allowing people to, um, it's hard to language, but really allow people to, to develop into themselves, right? Who am I actually, right? And rather than... Actually, even rather than asking the question, who am I, but really, what do I feel, right? What's inside me? And starting to question the programming that they would just, you know, on autopilot accept. I have to be married. I have to make money. I have to do this. I am that. I Right? The familial programming, the cultural programming. Um, and, and so... But so you have, you're dealing with C-level people. Mm-hmm. Or you know, very successful, mm-hmm. highly driven people mm-hmm. who are coming to you specifically because they want to be better at the thing that they're highly driven. Well, actually, at. so so that's the that's the thing. It wasn't always that they wanted to be better. It was sometimes there was a problem or in crisis or something's just not feeling right. I'm not sure what it is, but I'm not satisfied. My life is feeling like, well, what more is there? Right. So it wasn't necessarily what what one would call or would identify with as a spiritual crisis. But in essence, it was. It's interesting because that comes up a lot now. Like we just did this podcast last week with therapists who were helping, who were recognizing that some of the uh, uh, clients that will come into a therapeutic context were actually not, say, just depressed mm-hmm. because of traditional mm-hmm you know, whatever psychological issues, but in fact are going through some kind of a spiritual emergence or emergency and found themselves in a therapeutic process without understanding that there's a spiritual component to what's going on. Exactly, yes. You're talking about something quite similar, Mm -hmm. but through a different doorway. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. 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 And practices and reading and and helping people to get comfortable with the understanding of spirituality as not just a there's something bigger than myself outside of myself, but also that it's a study of self. Mm-hmm. Right? So a practice you're saying like you suggest maybe trying meditation for the first time. People exactly. have never done it before. Or even just being silent. Right. Like Boy, just that's hard. sitting in silence, you know, no phone, right? Yeah. Just being with oneself and being with their emotions or working through. I find, I don't know if you find this, but I find that people have such a hard time with identifying a feeling or an emotion. What You know, it, like just taking one, a person through that process of what are you feeling is yeah. it's profound. Yeah. Right. Because we're all so, we're walking around. We have no container in our culture to support us on a spiritual level. And and if we are, it's labeled with a woo woo new agey sort of thing. You know, there's there's not this open container of, you know, well, what's your process? Right. And we live, you know, our opportunistic culture where, you know, go, 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 do more, do more, buy more, be more, all this stuff. And um and and even one of my issues with the coaching industry, as I expressed to you, was sort of this, you know, optimizing and, and, and charging people so much money and marketing to people's wounds, like, you know, 10 steps to the love of your life. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, or 10 steps to, you know, happiness. And that sense that you're constantly being sold to all the time, which doesn't help either. But there's this idea that there are these things that you should want. That's right. And there's like four or five of them, basically. You sell them over and over again if you're marketing this stuff. And that if you somehow don't fit within the context of what it is that they're, what you want, there's something wrong with you. Mm -hmm. That somehow you're not figuring, it's like, oh, happy. I want to be happy. Of course I want to be happy. 10 steps, easy. I'll well, I was feeling the same way as a coach. I, you know, I saw all those coaches out there doing that same thing. I was like, oh, there's something wrong with me. There must be something wrong with me. I'm not doing that. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's so interesting how much the culture has moved in these last few years towards this optimization thing. So much of that came out of, I think, real spiritual questing. Mm-hmm. But then it got kind of, you know, the optimization program got optimized. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The other day we had Doug Rushkoff on the show and he was saying how, you know, basically at Esalen, the human potential movement kind of took a turn towards optimization mm-hmm. in a way that really changed our notion of what it is to be a f- full human in freedom, mm-hmm. right? As opposed to on a track towards an achievement and the societal achievement, right? So there's a there's a challenge around this the whole thing. But I think the 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 underlying stuff is really about like what's possible which is extraordinary in the human experience and then sort of you know however you do it finding ways to lift off these veils exactly that enable you to access it yourself which is just a really hard thing to do and painful and painful can be very painful Mm -hmm. yeah so when at what point did you begin to really clock that there's a receptivity to the kind of thing that you want to do mm-hmm. through the coaching world, but then also what we're talking about here in terms of building community of people who are having these powerful experiences. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, would... let me put it this way. I think if I, we had talked about this two or three years ago, you would not have been interested. 
Well, I wasn't, remember? I know, you weren't, actually. <laughs> That's true. Well, actually, it wasn't that I wasn't interested. It was more that I was I was in my own frustration with the direction of the quote-unquote coaching world anyway. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I wanted to do was contribute to uh, like any kind of spiritual materialism, if you will. Yeah, what right? do you mean by that for those who don't clock that? You know, I, you know, I, I was feeling so sensitive to monetizing on people's spiritual paths um, right. and conflicted, frankly, is making that a profession. How, how do I hold, you know, the exchange of energy that's a real question. I mean, I mean, just simply the idea that somebody's got to pay for a spiritual exactly, exactly ac- access, exactly or context, exactly. right? Whether it's a teacher mm-hmm. or a, whatever it might be, even if it's a uh, plant medicine, mm-hmm. you hear that all the time. It's like, oh man, shouldn't it be free? It's mm-hmm. connecting me to God, mm-hmm. and it, there's this notion that this um, this kind of work happens outside of the reality of the economic world that we live in mm-hmm. where people actually have to pay rent mm-hmm. and you buy, know, food. buy food, <laughs> buy food is a good idea, you know, take a shower, things like that to take care of themselves. So, you know, and we're doing our best to navigate that with the Evolver Awakening by saying, listen, it's 10 bucks a month, mm-hmm. which is relatively inexpensive, mm-hmm. I think, especially for what we're offering because these courses we're offering are worth you know, if you buy them as packages that get sold on the internet, you know, they're 300 bucks a piece. At least, right. At least, and, and yada, yada, yada. But we're, it's, we can we can make this work if we can scale it, mm-hmm. basically. Exactly. But, yeah, there's always this tension. And we will offer scholarships, too. You know, we can't yeah. do a gazillion of them, but we, <laughs> we can do some. <laughs> we'll do the best we can. Well, I think people will really respect and mm-hmm. honor that, you know, mm-hmm. that, that approach to come from that place of... Um, where we really recognize how accessible we want to make education and community. The reason that we're here in this particular studio at ACAST where we're recording, right? And um, and frankly, I think the reason that we were able to really get this whole program off the ground is because we got the podcast happening, right? And the reason the podcast is happening is because of Jose, (laughs) (laughs) who is our producer, uh, who I do my best to acknowledge every show. Yeah, thank you so much for that. <laughs> yeah. But he's almost never on mic. Or yeah. if he's on mic, he cuts himself out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, key piece of our team, uh, Jose Alfaro, it felt like this wild synchronistic moment when you descended into the alchemist's kitchen at the right time in order to make this thing happen with a particular tattoo on your arm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I remember the first time you told me about like the kind of stuff that you're you're trying to get into. I was like, I was like, yo, I think you're gonna like my tat, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think we had a little call, but before you, yeah. So so the the way this all played out is that folks from Acast, Adam Martin, who is at that time the creative director of Acast, a podcasting company, advertising sales company based out of Europe, basically got in touch with me saying that he was a fan of Evolver and Alchemist Kitchen and uh, and Reality Sandwich and was saying, you know, you guys ought to have a podcast. And I got, you know, happened to be at the moment when I began to seriously think about doing that. Um, so we connected. He was enthusiastic. He, you know, asked people in his office, 
in New York to send somebody over to help us produce. And the guy who happened to be at the top of the list is Jose, you know, and I'm like, you know, like we're, uh, I, I've been in these minds too long, too deep. And I keep thinking like, there are not that many people out there really who get this and who's really going to respond to what we're doing here. And this is always kind of this weird sense of, you know, I got, I, I, cause I come from a world where most people really were not receptive to this more consciousness type message. In walks this six foot five, really? six, six foot, foot three, five? Six six three. Seems six foot five to me. <laughs> but for the ladies, yeah, I was six foot five. Yeah. Very handsome. Yeah, Very handsome, big guy. It's just like oh, you know, and the sweetest guy ever. But it's like huge, like presence, and he sits down, you know, with his sleeves rolled up, and I glance at his right arm, and there's this Alex Gray head tattoo <laughs> on his arm. I was like. Oh my God, we got the guy. (laughs) (laughs) The the heavens have arranged (laughs) for the right person to show up. Yeah. I remember like you were like you were telling me it's like, yo, look, we're gonna do like the first couple episodes just so you could set up like a formula with this and then and then like, you know, it's like we're gonna get somebody who can help us out, you know, a little like you know, like that that doesn't charge so much. And I was like I was like, Oh no, dude, I wanna I wanna do this. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. So what pulled you into the Alex Gray orbit? Oh man. Oh man. That <laughs> was uh whew. let's see, I, the first time I ever heard about Alex Gray. I was uh, 16 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was, um, or even younger than that, probably f- like 14. It was like, I just started seeing like my friends kind of like wearing these tool shirts and it was like kind of like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, and then, and then I started getting into them and uh, like a little bit at a time. And then, uh, and then I tried out like acid for the first time and that was, um, and then, and then I was kind of like really, um, really into more like, yeah, just like that that whole like vibe, just that whole scene and like I don't know, there was something about it that always just felt felt like very human and very uh and just very like I don't know, carnal, primal. Mm-hmm. It was it was just like really like something that felt like home. Yeah. Yeah. Did you did you associate that with let's say meditation or yo- like any yoga, any other aspects of what we now sort of think of as the consciousness world or did it seem kind of trippy (laughs) (laughs) yeah at first yeah yeah, at first it was it was it was very much uh like yeah it was very much just like this like kind of like ineffable just experience like experiential moments like for like like with like with like hallucinogens and stuff like that and it was just very like I, i knew nothing about that sort of stuff right like it was i was a kid still and like you know like like west bumblefuck new jersey like you know and uh and after a while, um, I, I guess it, I, it really didn't start clicking like that until I hit college. Um, and then I took uh, a couple of classes. I started taking like Indian aesthetic classes and stuff like that. I started learning about like the, like Indian music and like the like the different. Um, you studied music in school. I studied, yeah, music. Yeah, I studied music in Berkeley College of Music. <laughs> yeah, for real. So this guy's a solid, serious musician. <laughs> he plays like seventeen instruments. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and super <laughs> humble. <laughs> yes. Oh. Clearly, <laughs> we can see it right now. <laughs> He's it's, blushing, by the way. Nobody yeah. can see the blush. This is, we for some reason we don't have any video cameras. Yeah, right. <laughs> Thank God, neither of us have any makeup on. <laughs> I don't have any makeup on either. <laughs> but yeah, Berkeley. Uh, that was that was that was an experience. That was that was awesome. Um, but basically, yeah, like I was I was um, I like I I guess it was like I started finding like you know just like the concept of like like Indian music forms and stuff like that. And, and uh, just like the concept of smaller, like fractals and 
smaller cycles making larger cycles making form and like the, and like creating the form of, of like music through these like crazy kind of like just subforms of subforms of subforms and and then uh one day my uh my 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 teacher told us that we were going to try meditating i lost track of time entirely um i lost track of myself i lost track of everything it was it was very what very, kind of meditation was it it was just meditating on the actual sound itself like of this drone and i don't know the actual name of the meditation the, the style of meditation actually i still don't know so you were listening to the drone you weren't making any noise no you're, no no we're just we, following your breath yeah we're just following our breath what kind of instruction did he give you to remember uh it was very much he taught us about like the whole concept of like the monkey mind and like trying to tame that just like calm yourself and then like right afterwards my my friend came up to me and like he was in class and he was just like it was it was actually like he was like he's like he was like have you ever done that before i was like i was like nah no nah, I, I haven't really tried that and it was um he was like man you you looked like you were gone like <laughs> gone he was like you wow. were yeah he was just like he's like you 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 were not there man he's like i opened my eyes because he's like he's like you know it's just like the closing my eyes breathing thing you know? like you know it's just like being like you know and he's just like he's like i was looking around and seeing like people be kind of goofy and then like oh but all of a sudden he's like i just saw you and you were just like yeah and it was just i was like oh my god yeah because i don't know i lost track of everything and it was the closest i'd ever gotten back to that when like early psychedelic experiences when i was like a teenager and like um and it just kind of like really i don't know just like locked it all in and i was just like oh and then after like after a while i started getting involved involved in like the like the festival scene and all that sort of stuff and like you know started doing that sort of thing What was the festival that really made it happen for you? Oh, the festival that really made it happen for me. Um I'd say Burning Man. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't that it was I was already in the scene. It's not like it was a revelation, but it was in the sense of Burning Man is its own, you know, psychedelic experience. It's totally ineffable and just um it's hard it, in the same way it's hard to describe a um a mushroom or acid experience to someone that hasn't had one. It's similar with Burning Man because you go there and just something about um, something about I always refer to it as this like G spot of creativity because everyone there is like, <laughs> like yes! it's crazy. No, the the vibration there is crazy because you know if you've been there, you know everyone there is, or most people are actively participating and finding out. Okay, what does it mean to express myself and manifesting um, stuff 
in my imagination that you just can't normally do when you're not there. And when everyone there is doing that and is like operating at that frequency, pretty everyone you talk to, whether no matter what they what like level they're on the spectrum of believing in woo stuff, will report amazing incidences of synchronicity. Mm-hmm. It's fucking palpable yeah. as hell. Like, and you can't escape it. Like, and so I, I don't. What- is that exactly what is that it's crazy it's so real it doesn't like you can't I mean, I, my first burning man it was insane <laughs> the synchronicities and the way that i was saved from disasters because of weird things that happened that moved me somewhere else and yeah. how i just ran into the right person at the right time constantly like this but that's yeah. how it's supposed to be all the time of course it's not we don't have to explain it or find a name what? for it or a label you know that's but it's just not that we objectify it, but we just we think it's like, you know, something so special or out of the ordinary when it really is the ordinary. It should be yeah. the ordinary. There are a number of things that happen that just take you out of your comfort zone. Right. The weather is totally bizarre. It goes from 100 degrees during the day to 40 degrees at night. And so your body just gets totally flipped. Also, the action happens at night generally. So you're not sleeping mm-hmm. during the night. And then during the day, it's too hot to sleep. So within a day or two, you're just like completely off of your normal sleep cycle and that alters your state of consciousness then it's a desert and so you're constantly having to hydrate but your body is just not it's like being activated in a weird way that throws you off of again out of your comfort zone and then a lot of people if you're not doing it yourself you are surrounded by tripping lunatics (laughs) (laughs) so there's a there's a kind of field shift that happens where everyone is seeing things totally different and then beyond that the next level which i haven't been for a few years so i don't know if it's still quite the same but for me there was this radical support of whatever happens that you are completely accepted in your quirky behavior whatever it might be as long as it's not violent and you know towards connection yeah. Um, and openness and, you know, a sense of, uh, of, you know, of of love. So you can hold that, not obviously, you know. So all these things together, though, put you into a place where your normal way of seeing the world is essentially put on the shelf somewhat. And you're more than essentially available to the flow. And when you're in the flow which is what every mystical lineage really mm-hmm. does its best to um, support you towards, right? The synchronicities uptick. Yeah. Right? There's an interview on Reality Sandwich that Mitch Mignano did with Genesis P. Orridge mm-hmm. of, you know, Throbbing Gristle and Psychic TV, Temple of Psychic Youth. And they talk about um, being in Kathmandu in Nepal and how everyone is in that flow mm-hmm. and there's just synchronicities all the time. And that's not... You know, obviously, it's not a festival. It's just a place where people live. But they have a different sort of more tuned in way of life there where that flow is just there. It's a different frequency. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Like, that's actually like the way that you're describing that, too, um, about like Burning Man and all that sort of stuff. I would say that that even like more so than like than meditating and doing all this stuff when I was in college, I would say that I didn't have that sort of experience, like with flow and all that sort of stuff until I did my bike ride. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Now tell me, what's the bike ride? I, I, I rode my bicycle across the U.S. Um, I went for 3,702 miles over uh, 40 days. Uh, it was almost 100 miles a day. I was burning around uh, 10,000 calories a day. Yeah. Uh, it was insane. Um, it was about 
literally about 10 to 16 hours of cardio every single day nonstop. Right. Wow. God. You and have a strong heart. I mean, yeah. You knew that already. Yeah. But that just confirms it. But yeah, like I would, I don't, it's like, I, so ever since that, ever since that, that bike ride, I actually, that's actually one of the things that kind of led me to here actually in the first place. After I came back from that bike ride, I felt like there's this thing calling towards me, like pulling me. It was like this, um, it was, it was like, like, the, like these kind of like this kind of like, um, effortless kind of pull. And, and it was like, and I don't know, it was, it was just really interesting. I was meeting people like getting, like, I was just getting like, I was just, I was like, I would see somebody. I'm like, I have to talk to them. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was really bizarre. Um, and now I don't ignore that anymore, but well, not as often. But, but then, no, you get led. You yeah. Get, you feel like there's a cue. Yeah. And you're like, oh, maybe I should turn left here. Yeah. yeah. And and literally, like, one Instagram post, not done. One one conversation not had, I would not be here. Wow. You know, it's like, it, it's really crazy. And every conversation, and it was all so, so, so conscious. It was, um, but, like, I don't know, just so, like, that bike ride, though, it was, like, I would, I would burn like insane amounts of calories. I would sleep. I was sleeping like <laughs> three or four hours a night. Um, I was, because it was like, you know, we'd have to get up early and we have to keep like riding, riding, riding. And, um, and, and like I would experience like, because like the extreme calorie deficit, we'd be passing by like, and this is kind of nasty. I told this story before, but like we'd be passing by like roadkill and like, I'd feel my mouth like watering. Whoa. yeah like because i was that hungry oh my god yeah like that calorie yeah. deficient i gotta eat that squirrel like i was like i would smell the roadkill and i'd be like i'd be like there's like this thing like oh like like and that reminded me a lot of like jamie wheel stuff uh-huh and jamie wheel quickly just say yeah he's uh he's really into um we had him as a guest on yeah, the podcast he's really into flow states flow states but through but through like high adrenaline rushes and like so like stuff like that right altered states altered states through yeah and i feel like that 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 bike ride within itself was an experience like that and i feel like it was one of those things that that like yeah ever since then like every every like my career shifted my entire career shifted. I was, I was like, like, like that's, that's what come I always tell people. I was like, I was like, yo, like January of last year, I was super, 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 super broke. I was, I felt useless. I felt like I was like, mm. I was like this, this, like, just, I was like all these skills that just like had no purpose mm. in society. Mm-hmm. And then I started feeling that, that weird call. And then I started meeting people like mm-hmm. you guys. And I started like working in the city more and I started doing, and, and I ended up, yeah, like there was this gig I had and I ended up like not not working it anymore just because my, my, everyone told me I was crazy for that. That like that I was like I was giving up this one full time gig with like health benefits and all this sort of stuff and all this and just to like record podcasts in New York City <laughs> for like, you know, like, like, you know, a couple a couple bucks of a couple bucks every month and like, you know, going through like hard times. And I was like, no, I got to I, I got to do this. I was like, yo, you have to get a real job. And I'm like. No, I got to do this. That's awesome. Did anybody else go through that right before Evolver came Uh, to pass? No? uh, Well, I mean. I I did. You did. I was going through the same thing. What about you? I mean. You've been going through. (laughs) It just doesn't stop for me. But no, tell me about yours and i'll try no, to I just be think obscure it's, about you know mine. it's wild that you were having that I, we haven't had this conversation as a group yeah so 
it's so interesting you were having that same experience. I I was too. I mean, I I was on the phone with Ken and I said, I I just don't know what I'm going to do with my life. Yes. And I said, <laughs> I, and, and, and then and and I don't know. Should I go to acupuncture school? I don't know what I'm going to do. Should I go back and you know get my PhD? And and then Ken started telling me about what he was trying to get funding for for the Evolver for, Awakening for Evolver for Evolver Awakening. And he started to explain everything. And I said, oh, you should hire me. <laughs> I said yes immediately. <laughs> well, actually, you paused and you were Did like, I pause. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. can't believe I paused. You were like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then we just kept talking. Maybe I checked in. I was checking in and going, <laughs> you were checking- is that a good idea? <laughs> I was waiting for I was waiting for my you know. But I mean I can't direction. even. It was funny because I you know I really didn't feel that I just it just came out. I do that. That's that's when things are good. Yeah. I don't know what I'm saying when things are good. Yeah. Yeah. It just comes out and afterwards. Luckily, Jose's recording it and then we're dealing <laughs> with that right. later. It's exactly. like oh yeah, somebody write that down. That's not bad. But I think that's part of what an awakening or what an opening is. You mm-hmm. know, and what you're describing, Jose, is sort of that that trust. And and being in crisis or being sort of disassociated with what the world says you should be doing and really following that path, not to say it all looks the same way or everybody has to be broke or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. But um, now for me, I mean, that's so I actually did have something kind of similar to that 15 years ago when I began to go down this this crazy road, which began with a story I tell, I've told a few times in the podcast kind of context, or walking outside of a of a house where I was writing a keynote address for a tech conference in Berkeley, and having the plants suddenly come alive for me in a way where they it felt like they were speaking to me, and mm-hmm. I got completely engulfed in this energetic vortex of you know all of the life on the in on the planet, and that was an amazing experience and. The upshot is that that led to, that was in the spring, and then through the summer into the early, early fall, well, basically through the summer, um, I had a series of dreams and a series of like experiences that made me feel like I'm going towards something, but I don't know what it is, but there is an outside, quote unquote, mm-hmm. intelligence mm-hmm. that is helping guide this. Mm-hmm. And I had the sense of the presence of something mm-hmm. that was out there waiting for me to notice it and pay attention to it and follow it. And then that led, you're pointing at me and shaking your head. Jose. <laughs> that, that, that right there. Yeah. Totally. And that led to my first Burning Man, right? Which then led immediately after that to my being introduced to an ayahuasca circle that had a lot to do with my opening. Mm-hmm. So boom, 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 this, this sequence of things. I had such resistance to spiritual, quote unquote, you know, any of this stuff at that time that, you know, it basically, it was like, Someone had to take a pickaxe to my to, to my brain in order to like open up the space so that I would pay attention, right? So, you know, I mean, one way to look at it is my guides, whatever that is exactly, but whatever is working, that sort of higher vibrational thing that's a part of you that's working with mm-hmm. you, um, were really smart about slowly introducing mm-hmm. me step by step to this other possibility and um, lead, led me bit by bit to let go of my defensiveness against this much more flow-oriented, mm-hmm. spiritual, interconnected way of being. But I found myself two years into it, turning around and going like, whoa, how did I get here? Mm. Like, 
this is not the universe I thought I was taking part in. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I never had that moment of like, whoa, yeah. jump off the cliff. Me neither. Yeah. No? Yeah. No. 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 I mean, I, I grew, and you know this story, but I grew up in a very charismatic, born-again Christian home. <laughs> oh, I, your story is so off the Speaking charts. in tongues and, you know... <sighs> laying of hands and these sorts of things so in Times square in Times square and you know i mean for me it was it's sort of like you know and of course i battled with that as a young adult being sort of resistant to that and resentful to my parents for you know making me go to church or whatever um but now i'm so grateful for <laughs> just <laughs> some laying of foundation of understanding uh, faith, right? Or letting go or just, you know, sort of, yeah. yeah. But personally, yeah, I didn't have that crack in the sky. It was more of, um, I grew up in this environment and spirituality was always something that was very available on, in different ways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it wasn't until college that I gained more of a, like a grounded uh, framework of, 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 of of working through spirituality, through philosophy, actually. Did you have much of a spiritual upbringing, Faye? No. I mean, at home with my family, not really. You know, I'm Greek Orthodox. We went to church on the traditional holidays, but um, or the on the major holidays, Easter, Christmas, that sort of thing. But um, no, it was sort of in the air. But my dad is like a self-described rationalist. He's not really into that sort of thing. and And, you know, we were just... Not really, but um, but I was always open to psych. I was always interested in psychedelics and altered states of mind. Um, I didn't really connect them with spirituality when I was younger, but as I got older and and sort of got more immersed into the the culture and the scene, it all it just kind of naturally started to make sense to me. I never had one moment of like, oh, like it just it always it just kind of felt like I was always along this path ever since I was young because I was always just really open and receptive to heightened states of mind and, and, you know, being so. Do you find that you have two sets of friends, like one group of friends that gets this stuff and another group of friends that you don't really go there with? Yeah. I have some friends who I'll, I'll, I'll intentionally mention Mercury retrograde just to watch them scoff at me. Yeah, but yeah, it, yeah. but we course. like, and yeah. I know, and they're, we don't get into things about mm-hmm. like, they know where I'm at and we're, it's, it's funny, but yeah, I definitely, it's not like, I don't have any friends that are super straight laced about anything. They understand pretty much everyone I know is like into altered states of mind and they think it's interesting, but I definitely have two sets when it comes to like how, you know, what we're, what we're doing here, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah. How about you? My, I'm, my, my, my best friend is the, I don't know, he's, he's very much like a rationalist. I tend to keep my, my circle of friends relatively close and like mm-hmm. small. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so like uh, I usually have, I, I have like maybe like three or four friends. All of them are like like super, super, super like rationalists. <laughs> None of them are really into this sort of stuff. I like to keep all sorts of people around me just because it's like um, I find that it helps me kind of ground myself a little more just in terms of like finding different, I, like, you know, it's like, it's like li- like flavors of life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, that. that's kind of like the way that I, that I approach my friendships and like my relationships and stuff like that. It's kind of like very much like what, how do I want to accent this, this kind of moment? 
Sure, know, you don't want to be in an echo chamber. I mean, that's, yeah. you know. You guys as well. I mean, all oh, well, yeah, you guys are all my friends. I mean, come on now. This is family. Yeah, you guys are awesome. I think it's also, just to say, too, in my experience and evolution of my journey on a spiritual path, as I get more tuned in to myself and my needs, there's not a lot of space for people who don't get me or get it. Mm. Right? Was that and, a difficult process for you, navigating oh, sure. the old friendships? Of course. And I would say also that I I no longer have a hard time communicating about it because I, I'm more clear about who I am and what it is that I'm practicing or what I'm doing, right? So it doesn't feel as awkward or uncomfortable or I can't say this to that person or this. Although, um, yeah, no, there, there's a couple people I don't engage. Still. <laughs> yeah. Who are, who are important to you? Who you don't you just don't you just don't know how to bring it up because they're not going to know how to respond. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I got a few of those yeah, too. Yeah. Um, but I definitely went through a very difficult, weird, you know, period where as this stuff opened up for me, you know, the world I was in was not this. <laughs> yeah, it was very secular, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and it felt schizophrenic mm-hmm. for me. There was the there, and and I was working for. I mean, at the moment when things were really sort of peaking for me in terms of the opening, right? I was working in, you know, for for uh, big digital, you know, clients, right? And I was working in D.C. Um, for one client. It was the Democratic uh, leadership in Congress, right? And uh, launching at the same time, we were beginning Reality Sandwich. And so I'm editing articles for Reality Sandwich at the same time that I'm working on the, you know, a communication system for the Democrats in the Nancy, in Nancy Pelosi's office. <laughs> and <laughs> so awesome. It was an amazing thing. And so, but so bizarre. And I'm like walking through the halls of the office, congressional office building, having reverberations of the extraordinary ayahuasca experiences I'd recently been having, feeling like a man from the moon, right? And, you know, just going like, I feel like I'm being, like I'm placed here as this strange kind of alien being amidst the, the mainstream of the culture that to me was becoming increasingly, it was clear to me how dysfunctional it was and deeply, deeply, deeply problematic. And, you know, I'm not talking about the days of Donald Trump. This is, you know, going back, this is 2007, 2008. I was a consultant. And uh, so I didn't have to work, you know, eight hour days. I would be going in to DC and I would set up a day of meetings or whatever. And there'd be three or four or five hours of meetings. And then there would be, you know, a couple hours of downtime, maybe three hours of downtime. And they had to put me somewhere. I had to sit somewhere. And uh, at that time, Steny Hoyer was the majority leader of the Democrats in Congress, and he had two offices. He had his congressional office, and he had his also his, his leadership office. He would use his leadership office. That's where his desk was and all that. So he had a congressional office where he also had a desk, but it wasn't really being used. And that's where they would sit me. I would sit at his desk, looking at the Capitol Dome through the front window, his children's photographs on the desk, and I would sit there with hours on my hands, editing articles about ayahuasca, psi phenomena, you know, 
alternative <laughs> economics and uh, you know energy healing on reality sandwich, thinking all the time that if somebody walks in here and sees me doing this, I am fired. <laughs> right? But, you know, luckily nobody noticed. Um, but it was just this extraordinary sense of schizophrenia, right? So I am in these two different realities at the same time. And, um, and as, you know, and as we then launched Evolver, me and this group that were, came together to make it happen and and I focused really on Reality Sandwich in those days a lot. You know, a lot of the people in, the, in that world who were, were paying attention basically wrote me off. They were like, oh, God, you know, Ken's gone. You know, I mean, I didn't feel like I jumped off a cliff, but they looked at me as if I jumped off a cliff, mm-hmm. right? That was a weird experience. And it's kind of extraordinary now to look around a decade later at how many people from that world, I mean, and I mean mm-hmm. literally, showing up in my field going, oh, yeah, I'm with you. You know, I just came back from Peru. Or uh, where should I go in Peru? Mm -hmm. Or, (laughs) you know, I have a meditation practice. Or, you know, exactly. I mean, all of this stuff. And it feels like there's this coming together that I know Richard Tarnas wrote about this in books about astrology, but I really never saw it coming in in a visceral way. But it's really here now it's actually really here now yeah i mean just to say like this can piggyback off my answer earlier about what i've noticed over the years of things being different so many people come to me now in my neighborhood or like people that refer them to me because i'm like the resident psychedelic person because they want to know about going to peru and doing plant medicines and there are people that were never into it before and i have so many people coming to me and trying to get Guidance, which is hilarious because I don't see myself as like I'm like who me, but I do. I mean, I have some insight you know to something. yeah. No, I know I know a thing or two, so I have some insight, and it's but it that happens a lot with me. So that's definitely been something I've noticed from when I started working at Reality Sandwich, where no one really knew what the hell I was doing, and now it's like headlines about. Lindsay Lohan doing ayahuasca and Faye, can you tell me where to go in Peru? Because I think I need this, you know. So it's pretty interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. Is it interesting, Molly? It's all interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Where, where is this all going? Is there a consciousness movement? Is that a good word for what's happening? Mm -hmm. And where is that going? If that is in fact true. Interesting. Mm The way you just put it, I mean, we have been using the word m- movement here and there. We, in our marketing. Right? Yeah. Yes. And um, that's, I mean, it feels, it resonates for some people. Yeah. And I feel that there's something like, something like a movement. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. But what do you think? Yeah. I mean, you know, we, at our our core, right, we are, um, we are spiritual beings right here. And, um, and, and so raising consciousness is just the you know is the evolution of our species you know so i would hope i hope (laughs) otherwise we're gonna keep on we're gonna have to keep on doing this well maybe a better question is there's a lot of dark stuff out there and when you talk to people who are not plugged in to this particular scene the answer you always get about like raising this stuff is Oh man, things are really bad. You know, it's uh, yeah. We look look at what's happening in Washington. Look at look mm-hmm. at the kind of hate that is being 
you know, uh, coming right out of the White House, being officially sanctioned by big parts of our government and our, and our, you know, institutions. Um, it never felt like the country was more divided. Mm -hmm. Um, your people are not able to see each other as human beings. The environment Mm -hmm. is crashing Mm -hmm. and the people who need to pay attention are not. And global warming is going to really like have a devastating impact. Right, and the, the, all the different ways the ecosystem is under assault. Um, so there's a sense of a growing, dark, immovable object that seems to be blocking the sun for so many people. How do you reconcile that with what we're talking about, which seems so full of light? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, the first thing I would say to that is is thank God the the or goddess. <laughs> that the darkness is coming to the surface. To the surface. Right, because if it's being hidden and it's lurking in the shadows, we can't work with it. We can't we can't deal with it. We can't see it. And what we can't see owns us, right? Yeah. You know, so so it's essential. That's an essential part of our evolution, right? But there will always be dark and light. So the reconciliation of that is more of this, uh, I still have a choice, right? There's this, you know, potential, quote unquote, divine will, right? And then there's our free will. And so we're here to refine that and, um, and become more and more conscious about the choices that we are making individually. So, you know, the point of Evolver Awakening is to support people who are going through that process, becoming more and more conscious and want to make intentional choices that not just affect their lives and optimize, you know, oh, I want a better this or a better that, but really are connected to the bigger vision of supporting each other to raise consciousness. And that's where it becomes a movement. Right. Yeah. Does it have to be on the street in mobilizations for it to be? A <laughs> Are we going to get like little uh, little trucks and go out, you know, with the big speaker? <laughs> Do we get a million people to meditate in, you know, in the mall in D.C.? Mm, you know, I, I think mean, it's, why I think not? it's more powerful than that. Yeah. More powerful than that. Yeah. I would say that it's actually embedded into our social conditioning now. Yeah. In the sense that like, yeah, like even even down to like what we find entertaining, like, you know, stuff like long form content, like podcasts and stuff like that. Uh, I feel like that's there's a very specific reason why people are really into that sort of stuff nowadays. And it's like I think a lot of it has to do that with um, with the fact that, you know, we crave that that like humanity, you know, we crave each other. We crave the like the human condition is inherently lonely. You know what I mean? It's like we, we spend our time like alone in our heads all the time. And so we want to reach out to each other. And, you know, the storytelling is the oldest human tradition. Absolutely. Right. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and so it's just one of those things that, you know, I, I really feel like I feel like it's naturally happening. It's naturally going there. It's like we 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 want it. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't even realize it. It's like it's in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for yeah. real. Yeah. 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 And the more conversations that we have, like this one we're having right now to share and connect and tell our stories and our hopes and process uh, is really the healing. That's the that's where we are working towards, right? Your question about the vision for the future is see that lead us to healing not only our relationships with ourselves and each other, but with our planet, like in really mm-hmm. coming together and finding, you know, creative, uh, visionary 
solutions or approaches to how we how we can do that. And I think that's like, you know, psychedelics and plant medicines, and all these experiences are great for individual healing, but we should also be looking beyond that too, for sure. Absolutely. So I would like, I, I think where I would like to see it go more is broader than just like personal healing, but yeah. coming together and with solutions that come from um, integrating like your mind intellectually, what should we do with your heart too? I think that's like the power of for me, anyway, for plant with plant medicines and those experiences, combining the wisdom of your mind with your heart to really to heal, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm hoping where I'm hoping it goes. Um, yeah, as an old time political activist, I've come around to thinking that if people don't do their own work first or in parallel, mm-hmm. frankly, in parallel mm-hmm. with their political activist work, it's not going to solve the problem. Because mm. I've been, and I think probably all of us who have really spent time in those down those you know those coal mines, um, I, I've been uh, surrounded by folks who are in their heads thinking that they're doing the most important activist action at that moment that's going to really make a difference on the planet, but because they're not in touch with their own motivation, mm-hmm. their own emotional wounding. Their own, their own issues that they haven't, you know, really addressed. The way that they go about doing it ends up perpetuating the same basic fundamental problems that have gotten us into this mess in the first place. There's an aggression, and I don't think there's anything wrong about being uh, assertive, right? You got to be on point, and you got to push, and you got to make things happen. But if you don't know where your anger is coming from, it ends up blowing up in the most extraordinarily inappropriate places. Mm -hmm. And it also can shift, essentially, it ends up informing the plans you make to solve the problem you're addressing. Mm -hmm. So the plans that you're making are actually infused with a lack of understanding of what's going to lead to the opening of light that will enable the real solutions to emerge. Mm -hmm. So you end up in this situation where you got a room full of incredibly angry people who are really working out their wound unconsciously mm-hmm. and you know trying to create peace in a place where there's a war mm-hmm. right and a war inside and they got their own war inside mm-hmm. they haven't actually even noticed is there right and the wars keep happening right or the environmental destruction keeps happening or the peop- displacement of people from one part of the world to another i mean it's like one thing after another where there are real problems that if you don't also do your own work and that's therapy alongside of you know spiritual stuff too and that's actually i can fuck i can talk mm-hmm. endlessly about this <laughs> Spiritual work is not therapy, <laughs> right? You're not going to solve those all those issues with spiritual work alone. Mm-hmm. Therapy becomes a tool that you can use in par- as part of your spiritual practice. Absolutely, yeah. Right? And they're not the same thing. I don't know. I, I just uh, monologue myself into it. There's a place here. for it all. I think that that's a very important conversation that a lot of people are having. Yeah. Well, you know, we got to have that here. That's mm-hmm. what this is. That's mm-hmm. what this forum's about. Mm-hmm. Um. Any closing thoughts along those lines? You just opened up like a can of worms. And you <laughs> like, end on that. I was like, all right. <laughs> on Evolver Awakening, we are deliberately creating a space for the spiritual stuff to be front and center, but with this um, very strong intention mm-hmm. around supporting activism mm-hmm. and engagement. 
right? So you can't just go to the top of a mountain somewhere and vibrate in the tremendously high frequency and assume that everything is just going to fall into place around you, right? This is the reason we want to create a social space where people can connect and collaborate with each other in various ways. Um, and, you know, our bet, my bet, is that there's a million of us out there right now, right now, who are having some kind of crack in the sky moment, however you want to define it, who are looking for others mm -hmm. who see things similarly. And if we can get everyone together, you know, it doesn't have to be on, quote unquote, our platform or this platform. There's got to be lots of ways to come together. But we get those people to step forward and go, I'm engaging through this frame into the world. I want to bring this into the world. There's a healing energy that needs to come through this. Mm -hmm. To me, that's humanity's best shot. Yeah. We were talking about this not not too long ago about activism. And for the record, Ken used to be a organizer, a protest organizer. <laughs> back in the days. Back the, in the days. And the first and Gulf as a War. young teenager, I used to attend those protests. Ooh. <laughs> damn. <laughs> you see, we know. That's awesome. There's history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The synchronicities. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where I was going with this is that we were talking about, uh, you know, I was expressing some frustration about some of the political climate and some of the things that were, were going on. And we were talking about marching and protesting and how ineffective it has been lately, right? In terms of making real significant structural changes, like, yeah, right. around policy. Exactly. It has not been the exactly. best tool. And so, you know, the idea, you know, or, or opening the conversation to consciousness, raising consciousness is the new political activism, right? That's what I want to see. You know, I mean, that's where that's where it's at. So, you know, how do we do this in a way that is conscious, intentional and responsible? That's the process. Yeah. That's why we would love you to join us on Evolver Awakening and help us shape it as we go. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And we just... Um, we had we did a little round where we opened up the platform to uh, founding members. Right? That's right. Just now, yeah. we had a, a, a few hundred people come on board mm -hmm. as founding members to start things because we basically were looking for folks who'd be part of the first group that we could ask questions to and get responses from and have participate in the development. That's right. Of the of the, I keep saying the initial conditions of this community. It's a little techie. I like that. Is that good? I like that. Initial yeah. conditions. <laughs> <laughs> so set the table properly, set the foundation yeah. for what's going to come. Right. So, you know, you're welcome. If you're listening to this and it resonates for you, please go to evolverawakening.com, as they say, and sign up and be a part of this. Uh, and uh, we'll see you there because we're there a lot. We're there a lot. We're going to be there a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely. It's going to yeah. be a blast. Yeah. All righty. Thank you all for you. making this happen. Thank you, Ken. Thank you, On Ken. so many levels. And thank you, Faye. And, and Jose. Thank you, Faye. Thank you, Faye. Thank you, Jose. I'm really glad I could do this show with Faye Sacaladaris, Molly Suggs, and Jose Alfaro. So you could get a taste of what's going on at Evolver. We'll be doing more of these and bringing other members of the team onto the show as well. I've been learning a ton from these guys. It's a deep crew. Please stop by EvolverAwakening.com and check out what we're up to. The initial feedback has been really positive. 
so inspiring. I am excited to roll this out and for the launch on April 5th, Friday, April 5th. I want to thank our producer again, Jose, the whole ACAST team, and our theme music, which comes from Paul D. Miller, a.k.a. DJ Spooky, Measure by Measure, from his album, The Secret Song, and our interstitial music, tracks by The Human Experience, Sunu, from the album Soul Visions with Rising Appalachia, and Here for a Moment from the album Gone, Gone, Beyond. Please check him out. That's all for now. We'll be back next week. Find the others. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.